hello, hello. Happy Saturday. I should say happy snowy Saturday. Happy snowmageddon. Happy snowpocalypse. Whatever goofy friggin' thing they're calling this storm. It's a Sports Geeky Podcast, episode number 102. My name is Alex Streamer. You can find the show wherever you can find your favorite OutSports podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are there for your listening and downloading pleasure. Uh, yeah, it's the snow of the storm of the century this weekend in Boston and throughout New England and the East Coast. Uh, could get like 28 inches, they say, in Boston as our highest totals, which is just like uh, so awful. <laughs> I mean, January is such a bad month. It's so awful around here. It makes you wonder why the hell we live here. It is frigidly cold. It is the Omicron, Omicron surge, you know, masked up, locked down. It's 10 degrees outside. We're getting pounded with snow now at the end of the month. Why the hell do we live here? Why don't we just all move to Florida or California, somewhere where it's not here? But yet, I've never been anywhere else in my life and have lived within like a 25 mile radius my entire life. So jokes on me, I suppose, but welcome into the show. Always a pleasure to have you all aboard. I am so excited for our guest this week. She is Carly Webb. She is one of our great contributors at Outsports and host of the excellent Trans Sporter Room podcast that comes out every Wednesday with fantastic guests. Carly has great connections in the world of LGBTQ sports and every week she has great guests on her show. Uh, As I mentioned last week on the podcast, when we were talking about the NCAA's new transgender policy, which was uh, uh, hastily enacted last week, um, I wanted to get an expert on, someone who knows a lot about this, or dare I say everything about this, and Carly is that person. So coming up on the other side, you will hear an expert, Carly Webb, uh, talk about the NCAA's trans policy, who this could impact, what their policy actually means, her views on this as a not only trans journalist, but a trans triathlete herself, uh, her take on the reporting around Leah Thomas. It is an excellent, excellent conversation that I don't want to waste a lot of time before we get to. But first, I do want to give my solo take to open up the show on a story that I talk about with Carly uh, in the interview, and that is this total hit piece that came out in the New York Post published Thursday night titled... Uh, I have the title right here. Teammates say they are uncomfortable changing in the locker room with trans UPenn swimmer Leah Thomas. And the story is an aggregation uh, that from the Daily Mail. And basically, the Daily Mail, and the New York Post reprinted it, interviewed one anonymous swimmer on the UPenn team. One anonymous swimmer. I should say ale- who's allegedly on the UPenn team. We don't know her identity because it's not shared with us. So this one alleged swimmer is granted anonymity to just trash Leah Thomas. Trash Leah Thomas. And the headline alone is misleading. Teammates say they are uncomfortable changing in locker room with trans UPenn swimmer Leah Thomas. Uh, I only see one teammate, alleged teammate, anonymously quoted in this story. So teammates, plural, is wrong. And this one swimmer, goes to town. Quote, it's definitely awkward because Leah still has male body parts and is still attracted to women. She goes on to say, multiple swimmers have raised it multiple different times, but we were told that it could, that we could not ostracize Leah by not having her in the locker room 
and there's nothing we can do about it. Though we basically have to roll over and accept it, or we cannot use our own locker room. And then this line really made me shiver. The swimmer said that Thomas seems like she enjoys all the attention the controversy has brought her. Yeah, I'm sure Leah Thomas enjoys being excoriated and picked apart on a daily basis uh, on these anti-trams outlets, whether it's New York Post, Daily Mail, Clay Travis's Outkick, you know, Fox News. I'm sure Leah Thomas really enjoys all this attention. I'm sure she doesn't just want to swim like she's done previously in her collegiate career. She enjoys the New York Post running a, a story with this headline about how teammates don't want to change in the locker room with her or shower in the locker room with her because she has male body parts. I mean, is this really what a college swimmer who swims for you, Penn, is saying? Again, we don't know because this one swimmer, alleged swimmer, is granted anonymity. And look, my what I always thought the deal was with anonymous sources was you grant them anonymity if they have a good reason to be anonymous, such as if they are leaking information from an organization or a group that could get them in trouble. Uh, yeah, that is a good reason to grant anonymity, but just granting anonymity so somebody can lambaste one of their teammates in the press is just not the way to use it. So a disgraceful story in both the Daily Mail and New York Post, and as I talk about with Carly, this is just one of many disgraceful hit pieces we've seen prop up over the last couple of months now with Leah Thomas. So that's our big story again this week. A really impassioned conversation coming up on the other side. It's a Sports Kiki episode number 102. Thank you as always for listening. And welcome back to the Sports Kiki podcast. As I was saying in the opening, I am thrilled to welcome on our next guest. She is not only one of our great OutSports contributors, but she is a, su- a Sports Kiki super fan. Carly Webb is on the phone. Carly, how are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. Alex, I am doing great. Excellent. Always good to be on the Sports Kiki. Yes. I believe, Carly, you actually now... I actually, now that you are on, have had every member of OutSports on my podcast over the last couple of years. So, you're, so, bring, <laughs> so congratulations. You, 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 complete our, you complete our goal. Uh, I complete the set. Now that, can, now that adds something. And I can tell you, you've done some great work. Thank you, Carly. And Carly especially, especially in this last year of inclusion, the Kiki's been out front. So for uh, me being here, it's an honor. Uh, well, it's an honor to have you here, and Carly hosts uh, the Great Transporter Room podcast. I mentioned that in the opening, too. comes out every Wednesday. She has amazing guests all the time, so check that out. Uh, but, Carly, I really wanted to get you on this week, and I'm so happy you're on this week because last week we spent a lot of time talking about the NCAA changing its trans policy. And, you know, I've read a lot about this issue, but I, I still have a couple of questions. So I want you to clear something up for me. So the way I understand it is the NCAA's new policy, go, it goes to each individual sport, right? So the National Federation, whatever their policy is, that will be the sports policy and the NCAA. But like, what I'm confused about is, what does that actually mean? Like, when you talk about Leah Thomas, what is USA Swimming's policy for trans inclusion? Well, see, that's the tough thing because Alex, you really don't know. Yeah. Because... We have to go one step beyond what USA Swimming is looking at doing. We have to look at what the International Swimming Federation, best known by its French acronym FINA, is doing. And we have to look at the new IOC framework that was unveiled in November 
that is set to go into effect after the Beijing Olympics end. The, the target date for that is sometime in March, but they haven't officially announced a date for that yet. They just said it's March 2022. The biggest thing is the NCAA is basically saying we're going to go with whatever the individual governing bodies in each sport right. use as their, as their eligibility policy. And if the national governing bodies don't have a policy, then we see to the world governing bodies. And right now, the national and world governing bodies are all trying to figure out how they fit in to this framework with the IOC. So that's where the confusion is. But in the case of Leah Thomas, and on the transporter room last week, I actually walked through what I call the doomsday scenario of, of some possible things that could happen. And with USA Swimming, their policy that's been in place since 2018 is, is that all these matters go in front of a review panel of coaches, experts, um, people who are close to USA Swimming. And from there, they get all the research and all the paperwork from the individual competitor. Then they hash it out and they make a ruling. The question is, what rules will that panel go by? Because, again, the IOC framework doesn't come into effect until March. Now, the NCAA rule states that Leah Thomas, in this case, has to start getting documentation of them in regards to where she is medically, what her hormone levels are, what the testosterone level is. She has to start putting that paperwork in within four weeks of the national championships. Now, four weeks from the Division I national championships, is about the first day of the Ivy League championships up in Cambridge. So in the matter of like a little bit more than two weeks, she's got to get a lot of paperwork in. So that's a lot of bureaucracy. And from there, USA Swimming has to make a decision. Now, again, there's no new IOC framework work yet. There's no so, new FINA framework yet. So they may have to go to the old outgoing standard that is still technically in effect, which is she has to show that, Leah Thomas has to show she has been under the 10 nanomole per liter limit, which was the IOC policy, and it's going out the door. But she has to show that she's been continuously under that number for 12 months consecutively at least before they'll let her through the gates. Now, one thing about Leah, according to Penn Athletics and according to NCAA, she filed her paperwork back in May 2019, she's been under hormone, under feminizing HRT for almost two and a half years. So yeah. most likely that number will not be a problem, but still you're dealing with which rules are they going by. You, you may have a scenario where Leah Thomas may be on the plane to Atlanta or even down to Atlanta about to take the starting blocks for her first race at NCAAs and not knowing if she's eligible or not. Or being told at the last minute, sorry, you're not eligible. According to USA Swimming, you're not eligible, thus you're not eligible for us. This is a real mess, and it didn't need to happen, Alex. Yeah. Because the NCAA made a knee-jerk reaction based on certain people and certain politicians in this country having a transphobic temper tantrum. And I'll say it's wrong. It's yeah. flat out wrong the way she's been treated. Yeah, and so I just want to clear up a couple of things. So the IOC announced in November it's changing its policy, but they don't. But they did not announce what their new policy is going to be. Is that correct? No, the IOC announced that they're going on guidelines based on ten principles. Okay, 
And a lot of these principles take away things like the presumption that the athletes under subterfuge, the presumption right. that they're not eligible. All those things are going out the door. The 10 nanomole per liter limit is going out the door. And some people, for example, a well-known Australian athlete and advocate, Kirsty Miller, feels it's a good thing. And in many ways, there's the potential to be a good thing. The problem is, though, the IOC policy has these guidelines, but now they're saying, here's the guidelines that we feel you should go by, but each individual federation and each world governing body yes. has been left to make their own decisions based on those guidelines. Okay. As I say often, the devil is in the detail, and there's an awful lot of devils in this because there's an awful yeah. lot of detail. There are some groups, like, for example, International Sailing Federation, they're already all in. And they're and they've they've also handed the ball up in many ways to USA Sailing, who's actually been ahead of the curve in all this. Stephanie Helms, one of a trans yep. woman who is a sailor who's a sailor, competitive sailor and a sailing coach. They've been a part of a group that's currently that's currently hashing it out and they're ahead of the curve, for example. But there are other groups that are gonna stay retrogressive, like World Athletics is already confirmed. They're staying with the old standard. The Internet Union Cyclist International, the world governing body of cycling, from the looks of things, they're going to stay with the old standards as well. So you're going to have a hodgepodge of rules where literally you could have, for example, in this case, a transgender woman or a transgender man or a non-binary athlete who's eligible in one sport and ineligible in another completely. Right. So there's a lot of details in this that are still very, very fuzzy. This is really a work in progress, even at the highest level. Phew. So I feel good. I got most of that right last week and into <laughs> talking about it since. So I'm going to pat myself on the back. But with Leah Thomas then, yeah, it does sound like it's total patchwork framework. So Leah Thomas, though, has to submit paperwork to whom? The people at USA Swimming? It'll probably be through the NCAA USA Swimming. And that's another question. Who's getting all this paperwork? Right, right. Who's right. going to be seeing all this paperwork? Who's on the panel? What you have here, and it's something I wrote in a story that, that was in Outsports Today, where I, where I talked about it, and I described this as this whole new policy by the NCAA was rash, it was rushed, and it was reactionary. It was rash in the way it was completely unnecessary. It's rushed because you have all these questions that you're trying to answer on the fly. In the middle of a competitive season, this is not the time to have... This is something NASCAR has done. They make a spoiler change the night before the race, and all the teams of a certain manufacturer have to change to it and scramble. You can't do this in regards to human bodies. You just can't. It's not fair to any of the student-athletes. This was a rush, and it was based on a reaction, on a reaction from largely anti-trans politicians, anti-trans activists who claim to want to, quote, save women's sports, and others who, and others who, are, who claim that they are for inclusion and fairness, but when you really dig deep and when the rubber meets the road, they're really not. And the NCAA has reacted to that. In some ways, they've reacted to the Daily Mail and OutKick and Fox News, who ginned up a lot of hysteria that is untrue in many ways, including some of the things you've, you, that have been out there about Leah Thomas, these anonymous allegations yeah. that, to me, they smack of libel. And I, and I want to say this. Your audience needs to understand 
that some of the recent charges about Leah Thomas and some of those charges dragged in a trans swimmer, Isaac Hennig, from Yale. If I was a parent of one of those kids, I would be making some phone calls saying, who said this? What are their names? Because this is libelous. Right, I'd have yeah. lawyers on this kid at this point. Because yeah. they're talking about throwing races, and they're talking about things that border on, and the most recent allegation, in some ways, borders on hints at sexual assault. Right. Libelous. Yeah, and, and you're talking really on that. Yeah, well, you're talking about, and I do, I did want to ask you about this, about the post story. New York Post published Thursday night. Teammates say they are uncomfortable changing in the locker room with Leah Thomas, and it's just filled with anonymous quotes. Uh, yeah, it's it's a mess. I do want to ask one thing before we get to that. Back to the NCAA. So you say that the NCAA panicked in the face of all this pressure and did this reactionary change to their policy. But my question is, it sounds like there's a high chance, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Leah Thomas and other trans athletes will still be able to compete because the national federations, you know, allow them to compete. So like, you know, this NCAA, like, is it really, I guess like, will the detractors really, like, how does this please them if Leah Thomas and others are still allowed to compete? You know what I'm saying? Like, what was the point, I guess, from the NCAA standpoint? Well, well, to me, the NCAA just reacted. Again, they reacted to something that, quite frankly, was a temper tantrum by people with bigger agendas in sport. And I've, and I've said this often, that this to the people that are pushing this issue, whether it's making Leah Thomas out to be this Godzilla that's going to rise out of the Atlantic, come up to Atlanta and eat women swimming, to the 38 states that are currently putting up discriminatory anti-trans legislation directly targeted at kids, to them, this is not about sports. This is about social control. It's about erasure. And it is about rolling back not just rights for trans people, but rights for LGB people across the board. Right. This is this is our rainbow community being placed under attack all over again. And and they've admitted to it in many a position paper over the last five years that we gotta separate if we can separate the T and tolerate the LGBs to work with us, we can get rid of the trans people and then we can turn the letters on the rest of our rainbow on the rest of our rainbow community. And it's not right. We're all under attack here with this. This is a this is about a lot more in sports to the people pushing it. And yeah, the NCAA well, play it in their hands. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, you know, how about though the argument? And I hear this from a lot of people that say, like, we understand that Leah Thomas uh, abided by the NCAA policy, and she's competing fair and square. But you know, her dominance in the pool should make us maybe rethink trans inclusion in sports and the policies we have in place at the collegiate level. What is your take on those people who say, I mean, like, you know, we understand Leah's following all the rules and we don't want to be discriminatory, but these dominant times, we have to maybe look at it. What do you say to that? Let's put a name on who's saying that. Nancy Hodge said Maycott. Okay. Let's put a name on it. Let's put a name on who And who is she for those who don't know her? Oh yeah, Title IX lawyer, head of head of the Women's Sports Policy Working Group, or more accurately, what I call it is Truth and Advertising, the Cisgender Women's Policy Working Group, Sports Sports Work Policy Working Group, because that's what we're real. That's who she's really centering here. Let's just be real about what that's about. 
Now, Leah Thomas, there, and she's put up a lot of numbers, but those she's put up a lot of numbers and percentages and things and whatnot. And a lot of people put that up. But the raw facts are is that Leah, Leah has been under feminizing hormones for two and a half years. She's continued to train. She's continued to work. She's continued to work through a lot of things. And the fact is, she's a pretty dang good swimmer. Right. She's not some geek off the street. She's right. not a geek. She's not a geek off the street. She's pretty dang good. And but to to say that she's going to immediately be dominant or not mitigated enough, and 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 Miss Alexander Maycard says that a lot. My question to all these people is, what is mitigated enough to you? Is it 10 seconds lower, 15 seconds lower? What's your number? Yeah. What's yeah. the number? Because, that, because to me, this smacks, of, this smacks of the Carly Webb rule of trans women in sports. Trans women can play as long as they don't win. That's mm-hmm. what we're really talking about for a lot of these people here. Yeah. And, and, I, Tom, and, yeah. and at another level, that's why it was important for someone like a Brooke Ford to speak out the way, the way that she did in her statement via her father on the Yahoo College Football Podcast a couple of days ago. It was important for her to say that, you know what? You know what? She's followed the rules. I have to go in that pool and swim against her, and I have no problems doing it. And at another level, I expect someone like a Brooke Ford to say that because Brooke is saying, okay, what Brooke is probably saying internally is, you know what? I am a Stanford Cardinal. I am an Olympian. I'm a 15-time All-American. If you think you got something, girl, bring it. I'll see you in Atlanta. And that's what, and I think that's what, that's one of the things that a lot of these people are forgetting here is that two things. One, what you're really saying when you're making this argument that, when you're trying to make this argument that cisgender women can't compete, what you're really saying is trans women aren't women and cisgender women suck at sports. We both know those aren't true. No, right. And, yeah, and we, yeah. When we saw that at Tokyo last year, we see that every week and every night in the WNBA. We see it on our tennis courts and our golf courses of the world, and we're going to be seeing it in Beijing this later and next week. That is bogus and it's wrong. We're taking away, many, in many ways, for people who claim to want to defend women's sports, you spend an awful lot of time belittling it, and it's wrong. And the second thing is, remember, the NCAAs is not a time trial. A lot of people talk about these time charts. The NCAA championships are not a time trial. It's a race. You got to put them up on that starting block and you got to get down that lane with 700 people who have the same idea that you do. They want to be all Americans and they want to be national champions. I say, let this thing play out. Let's have a competition. May the best student athlete win. Yes, and, and br- that opportunity by the rules. Don't yeah, and take that away from her. But at the same time, Anna Harden at Arizona and a Brook Ford at Stanford have earned the right to take this challenge. Don't take that away from them either. Let's have the race. Let's just do this and let kids play. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it sounds good to me. And Brook Ford, as you mentioned, swims at Stanford. She's a 2020 U.S. Olympian, and her father is Pat Ford, the uh, longtime Sports Illustrated uh, writer and reporter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a few things I want to go with that. I guess, I guess, yeah, I mean, we talk about Leah Thomas, like, it's like, okay, like, what time would be, like, what, what, yeah, like, what time would be appropriate for these people 
think for her to have. And also like, you know, she, she's considerably slower than when she was a man, right? Uh, Cause she was on the UPenn men's team and her time is considerably worse now than it well, was then. Right. Well, not, she was considerably slower than when, than before when she started her transition. Right. Yes. yes. I mean, her top time was a four eighteen. but here's the thing. Her first meet at 500 free, her first run at 500 free this season was that was was in their dual meet with Villanova. You know what her time was in that five hundred three? No. Four fifty four. Wow. Yeah. Her average for the season has been about between four forty and four forty one. She caught lightning in a bottle at Akron and ran the, and ran some hot times. But also when you look at her past season, that's kind of been her pattern. Start slow and then all of a sudden catches fire. Start slow for a few meets and then catches fire. And that's the other thing. You have people that are opining on things such as HRT, making all these things using, and quite frankly, using a lot of studies that still don't give you a complete picture. And even the researchers tell you that. And I'm not talking about the people like, like, Fonda Beatles, Emma Hilton, and Tommy Lundberg, people who have been discredited world over for bogus research, like the bogus research that World Rugby used, for example. I'm talking about some people that have actually done some good, who have done some groundbreaking research, and the conclusions they've come up with, like people like Joanna Harper, who's at Lawnsboro University in the UK, noted, noted avid runner, scientist, researcher on these issues, who looked at the who looked at this data the limited data that we have and said hey what we there's a lot we still don't know but what we do know points to inclusion and that's actually what a lot of the research is saying is that there's a lot we don't know but what we do know it points in in, a, in an inclusionary direction and we need to get more but the best way we're going to get more data is we have to allow transgender athletes, be they men, be they women, be they non-binary, pathways to play. And not as exhibition athletes and not as sideshows and not with all these strings attached. But get them out there, let them get out there and get the numbers. And if we have to tweak policy, we tweak policy. Alex, my personal feeling on this is that actually the NCAA's new policy is something that people like Chris Mosier have said, we've been asking for policy updates and cleaning up the language and upgrading the policy for years, and the NCAA has fallen on, on very legitimate, reasonable requests for that on deaf ears. Now all of a sudden somebody, somebody like Alinda Blade throws a tantrum, all of a sudden the NCAA is moving, something's not right. And that's what led one um, diversity facilitator on an NCAA committee for this to resign this week over that fact mm. that the NCAA is talking inclusion but doesn't want to walk inclusion. Mm. To me, there's an opportunity to get a new policy right, but you, but you have to start by sitting down and getting the stakeholders together, administrators, coaches, and student-athletes. I want to see a Brooke Ford at the table. And, Brooke, right. if you're listening to this, I want you at the table. <laughs> I want you to give your views. I want, I want athletes there. Because the athletes have got to be in the arena. They should be at the table when these decisions are getting made. And I want people like Joanna Harper at the table. I want Dr. Veronica Ivey at the table. I want Chris Mosier at the table. I want people with expertise 
into trans into what trans people are going through in our campuses and in our sports and in our society at that table because i believe there's good policy that can be made there's good policy that can be made that's medically reasonable that is that is competition fair for all sides in the equation at least fair in the terms of everybody's running by the same rules and there's none of these changes and make sure that every athlete gets an opportunity to get out there and compete and not compete in exhibition or sideshow, but to have the shot at being all American and have a shot at being a championship, but also just having a shot at representing their school to the best of them as the best of themselves and the best of themselves as an athlete. It's out there, but you can't do this rush and you can't do it by trying to placate people who shouldn't even be at the table. No one from OutKick or the Daily Mail or Save Women's Sports or all these anti-trans groups can be at this table. They can't be there because they're not stakeholders. They're about exclusion and discrimination. We need people that are first and foremost about the student athletes, all the student athletes. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah. stakeholders have to, have to make that decision. Yeah, not and people that... trying to make cheap, bad political points. Or yeah, trying to be president of the United States. Yeah, and that's something that I've been saying all along. The NCAA, in particular, missed an opportunity here. They're one of the most they're one of the most influential sports organizations, not just in the country but in the entire world. They had a real opportunity to lead, and they punted. And I think that's shameful. Uh, I do want to get more specifically, and you brought this up a few minutes ago. Uh, the story is circulating about Leah Thomas, and this one in the New York Post. I think might be one of the worst. Uh, teammates are uneasy changing in the locker room with trans UPenn swimmer Leah Thomas. And this story is full of anonymous quotes from alleged players on the team. One of the quotes is, uh, you know, it's really upsetting because Leah doesn't seem to care how it makes anyone else feel. The 35 of us who are just supposed to accept being uncomfortable in our own space in the locker room for like the feelings of one. And I have a couple of things with this. Number one, I learned in journalism school, Carly, that anonymous sources are very useful, but you have to, they have to have a good reason to be anonymous. Just giving an opinion is not a reason to be anonymous. That's number one. And number two is like, when you read a story like this, I mean, do you buy it? Do you think these are real swimmers on UPenn? Yeah. What's, what's your take on not, not just this story, but the stories like this have been out there for several weeks now. This last story goes beyond the pale. Like I said, if I was a parent of a child and you said that about my child, I would be, I would be, I would be with sitting in there with the chancellor of Penn, with my lawyer with me saying, you bring this kid, whoever said this, you bring him here or there will be papers filed or we start talking lawsuits. My daughter, in this case, Leah, she was my daughter. I'd say my daughter has the right to see her accuser with this because these are things that will affect her life. Even, even, and the real sad thing is people buy this. And right now we live in a country where at least 50% of these people are going to buy it. If they don't buy it here in the paper, they're going to buy it at a voting booth. And that will affect not just, that will not affect not just sports, that, but that will also affect me. As a transgender American, that will affect me. And there are yeah. some people that are trying to use this to directly affect me. So on these, on these stories, especially this story that came out Thursday, no. And, I, and, and I'm going to make a call out to some, to, to some very important people. Pointer Institute, 
Society of Professional Journalists, yes, I'm talking to all of you. You need to be calling this out. Associated Press, call it out. Transjournalism, Transjournalist Association, call this out. It is time to call out the New York Post and the Daily Mail for this, for this foolishness. And this is a part of the NCAA's lack of leadership. And in some ways, Penn, University of Pennsylvania's lack of leadership. Because this, this needed to be called out weeks ago. Especially in the case of the NCAA, the NCAA should have come right out front, had a press conference and say, this is our policy. This is what it's been for 11 years. This has been the results of it. We stand behind our policy and we stand behind our student athletes. And we are not asking you, we are telling you, cut it out. The NCAA, when, everyone talks about fairness for fairness. When, how is this fair to Leah Thomas? Because Leah Thomas has been has been called everything but a child of God through all this, Alex. <laughs> and as a transgender person, as an athlete, and as an American, this bothers me. Our press is better than this. Or says, I would believe our, I'd like to believe our press is better than this. I'd like Man. to believe that our sporting institutions are better than this. I'd like to believe our colleges are better than this. And yeah, right it's... now they're not proving to be in the case of Leah. This kid's going through hell right now, and she's going through it basically alone, and it's not right no and and in this new york post story you know it's based on the accounts of one swimmer from the upenn team one swimmer who was granted anonymity to say this uh no no effort to get to the other side no effort seemingly to talk to other members of the team uh so yeah definitely a hit piece and uh, a pretty Alex, distasteful one at that if it wasn't for alex if it wasn't for outlets like outsports and outlets like your own and my and my podcast and Sid's podcast. Because I haven't heard too many trans voices on this anywhere in the mainstream media. And again, I'm calling out I'm calling out a lot of mainstream media here. I mean the first time I January twenty second was the first time that I saw a trans voice directly talking about this when Good Morning America had Chris Mosier on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Everyone's being talked to except the people who are being Infected. hit by this. Whether they're talking, whether they're talking about this issue or whether they're talking about the anti-trans legislation, um, you're talking to everyone but the people who are directly affected by this, and that's the problem. And it's showing in the fact that more people believe these these stories, this hearsay that's coming out. This, I mean. Quite frankly, these lies that are coming out. I think I think there's some lying going on here. I think there's a lot, some embellishment going on here, and and the things that have been out there. For example, the Daily Mail. I don't think any school should be giving the Daily Mail a press pass for anything, especially when they were when one they were showing pre-transition photos of Leah Thomas without Ms. Thomas's consent, which I think is a big no-no. No, totally. I mean, ethically just unsound. And then, secondly, that ridiculous thing when Penn went down to Florida, and you had some, and you had somebody with a long, with some high-powered lens taking these spy paparazzi photos, photos of of Leah and her teammates in their swimsuits practicing in some outdoor pool. It's, I mean, that's perverted to me. Totally. That's. I mean, that is. I mean, that. Should get you that should get you arrested in this country. If some average peeping Tom did that at somebody's house, 
there'd be some lewd charge or something that you'd get arrested for, and the Daily Mail made a, made a news story out of it. It's, it's, yeah, Alex, it's upsetting. This whole well, situation and the way, and, and one of my guests said it best. Lucas Draper, who was on, a young swimmer, trans man, he's a diver at Oberlin College in Ohio, and interviewed him, and Lucas said, this should not be about Leah. If you, ha- if you don't like the rules, fine, but that gives you no reason to disrespect Leah. And that's what this has come down to. This, this kid, someone's kid, someone's kid got disrespect, uh, is getting disrespected right now. And I'd like to ask people out there one question, especially the people who claim that, especially those people who seem to be okay with this anti-trans hysteria. I have a question for you. If this was your child being treated the way Leah Thomas has been treated, how would you respond? That's a great question, Carly Webb. Yeah, no, it's it's a question that I think uh, every parent would, would definitely, I think, say the same thing. But, you know, people may quibble here uh, based on their views. But, yeah, it's uh, you're right. The journalism is unethical and it's pretty it's very distasteful. And you're right, Carly. Where are the trans voices on this issue? It's great to have a bunch of cis people like myself opine, but we like to hear from the source as well. And Carly, you're welcome on the show anytime to talk about this. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Well, hey, well, hey same with you. I'll tell you what, let's do a Super Bowl, let's do a Super Bowl preview. I'm into let's it. Do this. I'm into it. I, we'll, see, we'll, see, we'll see if Jimmy G can make his second Super Bowl in three years despite, uh, you know, pretty much sucking. <laughs> so that would be something, wouldn't it? Well, I, well, hey, but you see, this is an example of how transphobia is like transphobia and homophobia are reasons we can't have nice things. Because what should we be talking about in sports? We should be talking about this awesome NFL play. These two great conference championships games are going to be having. Yeah. We should be talking about how the day tw- how motor how Speed Week starts at Daytona this weekend with the Daytona 24, and we have the possibility of two fast hot shoes who happen to be gay racing during speed weeks in a week's time. We have all this great inclusion and all this great stuff in sports. We have the most inclusive winter Olympics in history about to happen. But instead we're talking about fake rumors by fake rumors from people who are ran by people who have a ridiculous political agenda because of something that really doesn't affect their life. Here, here. Carly, I'm pumped for the Super Bowl preview. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. See you, Alex. Woo! You go, girl, huh? I told you Carly had a lot of passion. That was excellent. Thanks again to her, Carly Webb, for taking the time and coming on the show. She will, she will be back because these issues come up with a lot of frequency And uh, I don't think there's a more passionate or knowledgeable voice about these topics than Carly. And we are lucky to have her doing her work for us here at OutSports. As always, if you have any show ideas, guest ideas, you can hit me up on Twitter, as some of you do. I love that. At AlexRemer1 is my username. That, again, is at AlexRemer1. The Beijing Olympics start next Friday, February 4th. So I have an inkling that next week's show will talk about the Olympics and the out LGBTQ athletes. I believe we're up to at least 35 out athletes who will compete in Beijing. As Carly also mentioned, this will be the most inclusive Winter Olympics on record. Just like this past summer, we had the most inclusive Summer Olympics on record with over 180 out athletes competing. So we have that to look forward to next week and all of the 
stories surrounding China hosting these games. Juicy topics, that's for sure. We will dive into them on the Sports Kiki. Thank you for listening. Hope you can shovel yourself out of the snowmageddon if you've been pounded like we have. And we'll talk to you next Saturday.